This is Tether Talk, the podcast where every woman is seen, heard, and known, no matter her status. Here we heal through laughter and tears. Here we hope for better relationships. And here we hold on to truth so we can live and love peacefully. Hey sis, and welcome, Naomi here, Christ follower, communicator, coach, and your host here at Tether Talk. In today's episode, we'll continue this September series called It's a Setup, and today it's all about love. I'll share with you my heart behind Tether Mission, my why, and my how for you unto the glory of God. I'm so glad that you're here, so stay with me till the end for a few setups of my own. And because I love you, yes I do, and want you to live abundantly, book 30 minutes with me. We'll talk about lingering thoughts, uncertainties, the I don't knows, because it's time, it's time to calm your anxious heart so you can focus on the horizon on your way to becoming. Let's begin. So this entire mission is rooted in the Word of God. And I have to be honest with you, sis, Anything good that I do has gone through a God filter, facts, so that there's no confusion if anything I say empowers, blesses, equips, convicts, or makes you feel like you can take over the world. Sis, that's all good. And it's all God. So live into that truth and then we'll both give him glory for it. All the extra, you know, the commentary. I mean, you can basically embrace that as me making the most of me and I cannot and will not be anything or anyone else. Because I tell my girls this all the time, if you're not you, history isn't complete. If you are not you, no one else will be. So I'm a be, I'm a do, and I'm gonna protect me and pray that as you continue listening and receiving from me, that the same divine mandate will come upon you as well. Be yourself, be true, be honest, be real, be you. All right, so back to the word as the foundation of this mission. I'm going to read a scripture from Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Does that sound familiar to you? Like maybe parts of it? Because these four verses have become the core of my life and the heart of Tether Mission. They point to a life of purpose. They point to a life of order. They point to a life of intention, a life of balance, a life of freedom. And if you're looking for a verse to tether to, something that you yourself can be tied to, can hold on to, then spend some more time with me here. Spend some more time with me in Talk Plus. And as we gather in the future, and you will not only live this kind of life, but you will also learn to love it. I'm telling you, I have learned to love this life of love. So what is love? That is the question 
for all eternity? <laughs> I feel like everybody has been asking that question from the beginning of time. People are trying to figure it out in movies, they're trying to figure it out in songs, they're trying to figure it out in relationships. Everybody is trying to figure out what love is. Google and Webster think they got that thing on lock. So the noun for the word love is defined as an intense feeling of deep affection. That's fair, I can get with that. A great interest and pleasure in something. I'm okay with that too. And then, then there are the verbs, right? Feel deep affection for someone or to feel deep affection for someone. To like or enjoy something very much. All those are good, those are fair. I don't even think anybody would argue with those definitions. I'm sure if you go to the Urban Dictionary or some other type of cultural dictionary, they might be a different definition of love because people try to be extra, they try to be special. And the reality is like humanity as a whole can generally agree with those definitions of love. There is however, a biblical love that is defined in a different way. Biblical love, at least to me, and as I read scripture, I mean, I'm sure most theologians and or Bible experts or great teachers who are better than I would probably agree with my assessment of what biblical love is. Maybe go deeper than I am I'm about to do right now, but I believe that biblical love is first sacrificial. According to Romans 5 verses 7 through 8, I'm reading the CSB version, it reads, But God proves his own love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm looking at 1 John 3.16, which I love. Oh my gosh, I love this verse so much. It says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. This is how we should come to know love. He, so the noun for love, love is a verb, we've heard that. Love is a person. For the Christian, love is a person and his name is Jesus. To me, biblical love is first sacrificial. Second, it implies action. The very next verse says in John, 1 John 13, 17 through 18, Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. I love how simple the Bible is. If you actually read the word of God, you will have a very clear blueprint for how to live. And when it comes to love, the Bible teaches very clearly how to love. Love is not just saying love. Love is not just feeling love, but love implies action. Love, not only in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, which we in, uh, in the Christian culture have donned the love passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy is not boastful, is not arrogant. Love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I'ma say this, and y'all can say whatever you want. I'm talking about Christians in general, but you sis can say whatever you want. Paul was a poet. 
that man was a poet. The Apostle Paul, Paul to me was a poet. If you look at the way he writes, I'm definitely like off topic, but if you watch, if you like read how he writes, there's so many run on sentences, but there's a purpose for that, especially when it comes to things like love. Doesn't it make sense to be a little bit breathless when you speak about love? Like it's so poetic. I'm going to read it again because it's just so good. Love is patient. Love is kind. Full stop. Period. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Period. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Full stop. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That repetition is just so good. It makes you want to love love. The third quality or characteristic of biblical love to me is that it demands obedience. Let's be real. This is the word. And if you want to understand love, not just in the natural or cultural sense, but you want to understand it in the biblical sense, you've got to get to this one. First John chapter five, verses two through four. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands, for this is what love for God is to keep his commands and his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. I so wish that I had more time <laughs> to unpack every one of these verses, but I'm doing my very best to stay in tune with what the Lord has for me to share with you about all things love, about the fact that it's all about love and why love is so important to Tether Mission. But when you read that scripture or those couple verses in 1 John chapter 5 about love demanding obedience, you cannot say that you love God if you don't obey him. You cannot say that you love God's children if you don't obey God's word about how to interact with his children, whether they be just fellow brothers and sisters in the faith or they be a part of your nuclear um, uh, family of origin or they be your spouse or your children or people that you're trying to do life with in the village. Like it doesn't matter if you say that you love God, but you don't obey his, his commands. That's suspect. That's suspect. And I love what the, what the writer says here in John, that his commands are not a burden because everyone who's been born of God conquers the world. If you do what God asks you to do, you obey his commands because you love him. Life is going to be a little bit better for you. Not to say that you're not going to have issues, trouble, drama, valleys, sickness, strain, frustration. All that's a given because we are in a world full of sin, laden with sin. But to do this world with God is to be a son or daughter of God that conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world. Colon, our faith. By faith, you obey God because you love him. And you leave the rest up to him, right? So I want to go back to the original verse, the verse that is essentially the foundation of Tether Mission. But I wanted to make sure that I it, I define love in its natural sense, according to Google and Webster. But I also define love in the biblical way to me. Love is sacrificial. Love implies action. And love demands obedience. Let's go back to... Um, 
our scripture. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The first part of this verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength is the first commandment. The heart, the Bible talks about the heart. And when, when it says love the Lord with all your heart, you can't say okay to that without first understanding why it's important to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, because this is a podcast for women and I'm talking to you, sis, more often than not, people will say, oh, women are soft in heart, right? But the Bible doesn't make a distinction between a woman's heart and a man's heart. Because in Jeremiah verses seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 9 through 10, it says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. That's bleak. <laughs> your heart is incurable, Jeremiah said. Like, no, can't nothing fix your heart. That's not, that's not part of the scripture, but <laughs> verse, verse nine again, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. That's deep. That's how big God is. He is so great. He is so grand. He is the creator of all things that he examines the mind and tests the heart and gives to every single person according to the way he thinks and the way he believes according to what his actions deserve. You can't love God without a new heart because the heart of man, men and women, loves himself, loves herself, loves itself more than God. You just can't do it. Naturally deceitful and incurable. Jeremiah 24 verse 7 says, I will give them a new heart to know me, that I am the Lord. The only way to get a new heart is to come to the Lord. And then he says, they will be my people and I will be their God because they will return to me with all their heart. If you want to get rid of that deceitful, depraved and incurable heart, you must come to the Lord. First and foremost, you must come to him. And the beautiful thing about coming to him is that he will not only give you a new heart so that you can know him, that he is the Lord, but then he calls you his children. He calls you his people. He calls you his daughter and he will be your God if you return to him with all your heart. Ezekiel chapter 11 verses 19 through 20 says, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes. Don't you love how it's all connecting, going back to uh, the scripture that talked about, if you love the Lord, then you'll obey his commandments. That's exactly what's being repeated here. Or it was stated here first and then repeated in, in, the, in the former scripture that I just read. So that you will follow my statutes, keep my ordinances and practice them follow my statutes, keep my ordinances, and practice them. <laughs> Biblical love is what? Biblical love is sacrificial. It implies action. 
and it demands obedience. In Ezekiel, when he talks about love, when he talks about the heart, I'm sorry, when he speaks of the heart, he says what? I will remove their heart of stone that rejects God, that is deceitful, that is depraved, that seeks its own, that is selfish. And I will give them a heart of flesh so that they can follow my statutes, keep my ordinances and practice them. Then they will be my people and I will be their God. This is a promise that God made to the children of Israel. But sis, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, or you're considering why it would be a good idea to follow Jesus Christ, or you're trying to imagine what the hype is with all these Christians following Jesus Christ, this is one of the promises, the many promises in scripture for those who commit themselves to the love of God. If you commit yourself to the love of God, he will not only give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit, but he will do that so that you're able to follow his statutes, which cannot be followed without his help. Keep his ordinances, which cannot be done without the power of the Holy Spirit and practice them, which cannot be done without the Lord Jesus Christ. But the greatest and the most beautiful thing about this promise is that you will be his daughter. You will be his child and he will be your God. I love how kind the heart of the Lord is. The word says that it's God's kindness that leads men to, men to repentance. If you actually take the time and yeah, okay, you might be like the most bona fide believer, right? The person who is, is you, you pray morning, noon, and night. <laughs> I'm just going to throw out a bunch of religious things here that really mean nothing. But like, let's say that you are a woman after God's own heart, like legit. And you, you, everything like, amen, Jesus, amen. Of course, yeah, you're encased in this flesh. You're going to make mistakes, but like you are walking and following after the Lord. Let's just say that that's who you are. Won't you admit, can't you admit, will you not admit or agree with me? that the more you get to know who God is, the more kind you see him, the more loving you see him, the more gracious and merciful you see him. And when you do that, when, you, when, when those things are revealed to you and they're confirmed to you in your pursuit of him and your desire to cultivate a heart that pursues him above all else, that you get to a place where you're just like, man, I need to repent. I wanna do better. God, I want to love you more, Lord. I want to trust you more, Father. Don't you get to that point? Doesn't it feel right to just come before him and say, none of me and all of you, less of me and all of you, let me decrease so that you will increase. That's what the kindness of the Lord does to the heart of someone who desires to please him. So I want to pause for a second and ask you a few questions based upon what we've just talked about. Do you know love? Do you know this kind of love? Do you love God? Do you want to love God? It's, it's so important to ask these questions because if you don't understand this, it's going to be mad hard for you to love people. If you don't know what love is, if you don't know this kind of love, biblical love, and you don't love God, <laughs> that's tough. 
I have to ask myself that question too. If you don't love God or you don't want to love God, then the rest of life in all relationships is going to be so tough. But if you ask the, yourself those questions and, and you answer in the affirmative, then my friend, it's all possible. And at your acceptance of the invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then the lover of your soul, it's all done. It's good. It's ready for you. The Christian life is hard and then it's not. <laughs> it starts with an invitation to receive to confess with your heart, Romans 10 and 9, to confess with your heart and believe, uh, confess with your mouth, I'm sorry, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. And upon salvation, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, who is the teacher, who is the friend, who is your compass, who is your guide, who empowers you to do the life, to do what it is that Christ is asking you to do as a follower of his in the earth, on the earth. It's easy to accept him. It's quick. You ain't got to do all the dances that some people require you to do in some religious establishments. Like, oh, you got to do this, this. No, 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 that's religion. If you hear the words coming out of my mouth right now and you don't know Jesus Christ, like everything we've talked about in the last 20 minutes is sufficient. That's it. If you're like, yo, bet I feel that. That sounds good to me. That sounds okay to me. Guess what? You can be like, yes, Lord, you know, everything my sister is saying right now, like I get with it. I rock with it. I think, I think it makes sense. And I, I want to walk with you. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. And I want you to, you want you to be the lover of my soul. We're talking about love today. This is the kind of love that motivates you to follow his statutes. That motivates you and encourages you and empowers you to be obedient to his word. I'll tell y'all right now, I will tell you right now. My Christian sister, my I don't know yet sister, and my unbelieving sister who's just like, man, uh, all this sounds like Crayola to me. It's okay. I will tell y'all right now, falling in love with Jesus, like the old song said, and I sang this song last, last Sunday, we sang in a church, but fall it's so in my spirit falling in love with jesus is legitimately the best thing that i've ever done the best decision i've ever made love jesus fall in love with him follow him seek his face depend on him walk with him the best thing i've ever done so if that's something that you would like to do, you can pause me right now <laughs> and have a moment between you and your creator God, the one who breathed life into you. And you can have a conversation with him. That's all prayer is. It's a conversation. Take a moment and just receive his love for you. Because while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you brought you into his family, empowered you with his spirit, illuminated the gifts that he has bestowed upon you and wants to walk with you 
through the remainder of your life here on earth and into an eternity with him where there's no weeping, there's no regret, there's no fear, there's only love, only joy, only peace, only patience, the full scope of the fruit of the spirit. That's yours forever and ever. And that's just the first part of this verse that Tether stands on. The second part of this passage reads, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is so, so good. (laughs) I'm just going to pull out some observations here. Number one, like it. When the scripture says, and the second like it, it means that what is coming after is also important. Yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second, like it, also important, is this, meaning no confusion, like no confusion. Whatever is about to be said after, like it, don't get it twisted. And then comes the command. You shall, action, love, as we just talked about, your neighbor, Well, then who was my neighbor? (laughs) That's the next question. I am glad you asked, sis, because we're going to go to the word that has the answer to this very question. And it's come. It comes together through a parable or a story that Jesus told um, that he that he shared about the Good Samaritan. I am sure that you have probably heard the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, people have have latched on to this story, created whole organizations and um, mission statements based upon this biblical parable. And I'm about to read it right now. It comes from, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 62. But I'm not going to read all of that. No, I'm only going to read verses 35, sorry, 25 to 37. So don't <laughs> like nail me. Every time we talk, girl, we be on here for about a whole, for an hour. You got 62 verses to get through. We're going to be here forever. Yes, this is true. But I also have things to do as I know that you do. But we are going to read this parable in context. And we're going to talk about why the second part or the second command is just as important as the first. Here we go. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, who is Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm going to start over. I don't know why I'm slurring in my words right now. Then the expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him, he being Jesus. How do you read it? I love that. I love that the fact that Jesus, I know I'm supposed to read it, but the fact that (laughs) the fact that Jesus is asking this man, an expert in the law, what is written in the law? Why are you asking me a question that you probably know the answer to? And then he asks him a follow-up question. How do you read it? Man, I love this. I love this. I love this because it's not Jesus coming in and saying, you're a lawman. Why don't you know it? He's not attacking him. It's so cool how humble Jesus is, how meek he is. Meekness is power restrained. He's so restrained in his power and his authority. He's not even, he's not even tripping. This is, this is Jesus. 
God made flesh. 100% fully God, fully man. He knows what this man is doing. He can perceive. He can read his thoughts. He can read his heart. He can read everything about this dude. So it's not even it's not even messing with him at all that this man is asking him this question. He knows where he's going with it. But he doesn't stand in his authority and call him out, throw him down, you know, insult him, belittle him. He doesn't do that. He just says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? The man answers, the expert in the law answered, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus responds, you've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. <laughs> That's it. Do what you just read because it's very plain. It's very simple. And you will live. That's amazing. You will live. So if he's saying do this and you will live, that means if you don't do, don't do this, you will die. Which is true. Anyone who chooses not to love God and anyone who chooses not to love their neighbor as they love themselves is literally dying. Dying from a spiritual connection with the God of the universe, the one who created you. Dying from poor relationships and lack of connection with others. Dying from low self-esteem and a lack of purpose and not knowing who they are, where, you're, where they're going. Like, you don't wanna be this person. But if you do want to live, then do what the Bible tells you to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. His question, the law expert's question to Jesus as teacher was, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We go back to this passage. The greatest two commandments. There's nothing greater than these commandments. We'll talk about that later, but that's the fact. If you want to inherit her, uh, eternal life, you want to live forever, ever, ever, love God, love others as you love yourself. Verse 28, you answered correctly. He told him, do this and you will live. Verse 29, but wanting to justify himself. <laughs> but, negate, wanting to justify himself, that wicked heart that deceitful heart, that depraved heart, that selfish heart that we talked about, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You ever been in a conversation with somebody who just try to be too smart and everyone else is looking around like, yo, you're just being mad condescending right now. Like, what's good? What are you doing? I've been in those conversations before. I've been that person before. Yeah, yeah, okay, and? <laughs> and tell me this, and tell me that. No, usually when you ask that type of a question and you ask it in that way, it's because you're trying to justify yourself or you're trying to completely negate what that person has said because you don't like what they said. And all you want to do is make sure that you walk away from the conversation on top. All you want to do is make sure that you are not held accountable. You ask the question, teacher expert in the law you went to the rabbi who is jesus in this particular uh, text you asked him a direct question what am i to do to inherit eternal life he tells you or he questions you you're a teacher of the law what what have you read what does the scripture say what does that mean to you 
you quote the entire scripture, don't necessarily give a meaning to it. Jesus responds, yeah, that's good. That's it. Just do that and you'll live. Oh, well, okay. Well, it's just too simple. It's just too good to be true, right? And who is my neighbor? So Jesus took up the question. He, he knew he was going, he knew he was going to do this. Jesus takes up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Interesting. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the tax, I'm sorry, not the tax guy, but see, the law expert, right? The law expert says the one who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus said, go and do the same. Very important passage. There are many sermons, many exegesis on this text about the Good Samaritan. Please feel free to find a reputable source <laughs> to listen to uh, an exegesis on this particular passage. But I will briefly relay that in Jesus sharing this, it would have been very clear to this um, expert that this law expert who these individuals were who walked by the man who had been robbed. You have a priest, right? We know who priests are. Highly acclaimed people nearest to God <laughs> or someone who mediates. Then we have a Levite, descendants of Aaron, who was the first one to to uh, to um, serve in, 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 in the temple of the Lord and the tent of God. Descendants, uh, his descendants. And then we have a Samaritan who the Jews hated. They called them mixed breeds. They called them dogs. They didn't regard them as anything. They didn't regard them as part of the promise uh, of the people of God. They regarded them as nothing. Yet in this parable, in this story, Jesus relays that it was not the priest and it was not the Levite, but the Samaritan, the one that you would least expect who has compassion on the man, who to the law experts words showed mercy on the man. Not only did he go and, and show him compassion and bandage his wounds, but he also put him on his animal, which means this joker walked with him to this inn that he rented, that he paid for, that he acquired like a live-in caretaker for this man until he returned and then promises to reimburse for anything else that was spent. That's love for one's neighbor. And that's what Jesus responds to him. He says to him, go and do the same. 
That's what this scripture is referring to when it says to love your neighbor as yourself. What would you do for yourself? Let's be honest. What are the things that are important to us? I'll tell you the things that are important to me. Protection is important to me. I want to be protected. Therefore, if I love someone else like I love myself, for instance, my children, I'm going to protect them or anyone else in my life. If I'm in a position to protect, I'm going to protect them. I want to be provided for. God is my source. He provides all things for me. Amen. That's wonderful. I want to provide for myself in, you know, being resourceful, if you will, with the steward, with the things that God has given me. I want to be resourceful with those resources. If I love someone else, then I will be provisional to them as well. I'll make sure that they have what they need, just like the Samaritan did, just like we talked about last week about your enemy. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. If they're hungry, give them something to eat. How much more somebody that I say I love? How much more? I want a purposeful life. Then why wouldn't I desire to seek purpose for other people? Like what I'm doing through Tether Talk, what I'm doing through Tether Mission, helping other women stay connected to truth so they can live peacefully with God themselves and others. That is purpose. I want to be at peace. Why wouldn't I want other people to be at peace? Why wouldn't I want you to be at peace? I want you to be at peace. That's why I'm sitting in my closet right now, trying to do the best that I can to share the wisdom that God has given me so that you can be at peace with the truth of the word of God. And I want to pray for myself for the strength to keep going. Why wouldn't I want to do that for other people? That is what the scripture is saying when it says, love your neighbor as yourself. You must be willing to go above and beyond for people the way that you would do for yourself. That is true love. That is biblical love. And just as I referenced last week, if the Lord is asking you to do that for someone who is evil toward you, not to throw yourself into that, not to intentionally do that. I'm going to just, you know, give a disclaimer here shortly, not to, not to just throw yourself into it. Like, okay, look for the worst of the worst people ever, and then just go and show them kindness. No, no, no. You got to have wisdom. Be smart about some things. Even Jesus escaped stonings, you know, because it wasn't his time. Even Paul and all the other apostles, like if they were ever in a position where they weren't going to be lashed, you know, with cat and nine tails, like, come on, like I'm a, I'm a bounce. That's wisdom. But if you're in relationship with people, they're in proximity, they're in your village, they're in your community and they're doing you wrong. If the Lord Jesus Christ says, treat them with kindness Give them a drink if they're thirsty. Give them food if they're hungry. How much more of the person that you say that you love? Here's the disclaimer. Love is for good. Love rests with good. I believe that. Love is peaceful. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, go back and read it. That it defines what love is. It must reflect the character of Jesus Christ. It must be clear. And if you still want a clear understanding of what love is after 40 minutes of me talking about it, and I'm not saying that in a condescending way, I'm just saying what I have to say now is just above. <laughs> it's just the more of love because God is love and he's inexhaustible. Like he is, he, you, can't, you can't contain his love, but if you need some more clarity, then 1 John 4, 16 to 21 will settle this whole matter for you. And it reads, God is 
love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love. That's the disclaimer. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen with his own eyes, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. This here is work, sis. It is wholehearted, brow-beating, sweat-inducing work. But the word, but the reward of this work, by the word of God, the reward of this work is abundance. And it's abundance beyond what you can imagine. I really hope, I want you to take this scripture specifically along with what you'll see on tethermission.com. I, I go into detail about this. The purpose of this mission is going to build upon this idea of love, this truth of love. Let me correct myself. It's not an idea. It's true. It's real. It's tangible. It's in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, but it's also manifest in how we do love with one another. If you want to really be rooted in this, be tethered to this truth, 1 John 14, I'm sorry, 1 John 4, 16 through 21 is where you got to go to be reminded of it. It wraps it all up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing greater. It's your turn. Have you considered how you love yourself? Because you can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't know how to love yourself. Have you considered how you love others? Are you struggling with loving others because you don't know how to love yourself? Take the time to ask yourself these questions. I have taken the time. I am constantly taking the time to ask myself these questions because I thought I knew what love was. I feel more confident in my understanding of biblical love every day because of how the Lord's love has just lavished, has been lavished upon me. I feel the sense of his presence with me always. But because of some choices that I made in my life, with the lack of understanding of how this love branches out into different areas of my life and relationship, I'm having to relearn how to love others because I'm relearning how to love myself. Knowing that I see my weaknesses, I see my mistakes, I, I feel the consequences of decisions. And uh, you know, I've dealt with shame, I've dealt with uh, pride, 
I'll start there. I've dealt with pride that's led me to make decisions that brought about shame, that brought about grief and regret and pain and low self-esteem and suffering, internal suffering, mental fatigue, all of these things. I've struggled. I've dealt with so much of that that I'm learning how to re-love. I'm learning how to love myself again. How I'm relearning how to love myself again. And I have to do that. It's hard work, but it has to be done so that I can learn to love others. So ask yourself if you've considered how you love yourself, if you've considered how you love others, and if you're struggling with loving others because you don't know how to love yourself. And the last part of this statement, the last part of this passage, I'm sorry, it's, it is a statement. It's a command. It's a whole lot of periods up in this piece. Not a whole lot of consideration here. So in this last part of the passage, to me, it feels like an exhale <laughs> because love is serious. Love is life. And this last line in this passage gives so much life. There is no other commandment greater than these. I'll say it again. There is no other commandment greater than these. These are the words of Jesus. Love himself. Love spoke these words. And as you commit yourself to living according to the previous verses that we've read, you are free to live abundantly. That's essentially what this last statement is saying. There's no other commandment that is greater than these. Yes, you're going to learn forever. <laughs> you will master nothing. You can become excellent at a skill. But mastering, I mean, even when we look at like sports, it takes people years to master something or even for somebody to come and to say of somebody else's ability, they are a master at this thing. They might be better at other people in doing that thing. But then the question remains, are you truly a master? You have to keep that in your mind as you're learning how to love. If you're as you're learning Christ, because God is love, you will never understand the fullness of his love until you're in his presence in all eternity. But as you are committing yourself according to what we are reading, you can live freely and you can live abundantly knowing that you'll always be learning, but you'll be enjoying life along the way. You'll be enjoying the process. This world is not our home, whether or not you believe in Jesus. Make that plain. It's not your home. You will, you will face the end of this life and move on to an eternal life with or without God. So you have to. I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you very strongly to consider how you choose to live this life. The good news is that <laughs> the God of love has given you a blueprint for what an abundant life looks like. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad about that. I'm so glad about, about this. I don't have to figure it out. He says, okay, that's the answer. Yeah, do that and live. Amen, Jesus. Then the rest of the Bible is giving you details about how to live that. <laughs> that's so amazing. And it gives you those details by way of stories in the Old Testament, narratives of the Old Testament through poetry, right? 
in, in the middle of, in the middle parts of the Bible. If you look at, at, at Psalms and Proverbs and wisdom books, historical books and, 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 and the prophetic books and then the gospels and, and then the, uh, the prophetic books in, at the end of the Bible, the, I'm um, sorry, really revelation, but all of that, you put it all together and you get the details about how to live this life abundantly. But it starts with those two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is why we tether to Jesus. This is why we tether to his truth. This is why we tether to his truth. Not the world's truth, not your truth, not my truth, his truth. We do this to live by love in a way that frees us up to live peacefully, knowing that these two powerful basics are covered. They are basics. You stand upon these two and you read the details in the word of God and then you practice them with the people that are in your life, then you're covered. You can live abundantly and you can live with so so much joy. I hope that you have become more tethered to love by hearing my heart for this mission. Um, the truth is love is ultimately, a, it's, it's your choice. <laughs> At the end of the day, like no one can force you to love. They may actually be able to influence you to love by showing you love and that's good. You should be one of those people too. I should be one of those people who motivates people to love by the way I show love. You know, but ultimately the decision remains with you. And that's the question. Are you going to love? Are you going to love God? Are you going to love yourself? And are you going to love others? That is it. Part five is coming up and we are going to talk about the most effective way to navigate these three relationships, God, yourself, and others. So be sure to come back to this table for more truth and tell your girls so they can keep up too. Don't be a hoarder of truth. I had to learn that the hard way. Sometimes the Lord would give me revelation. I'm like, <gasps> for me, for me, for me, for me, for me. And the Lord's like, yeah, girl, that's good. Like you had a daddy daughter moment. That's amazing. But don't hold that. First of all, it didn't start with you. It's not yours. Don't do that. It's like, dang, Lord. <laughs> He's like, don't be hoarding stuff. Uh-uh. You have to trust that when you, he is the well that never runs dry. Come on, somebody. He is the well that never runs dry. And I have to trust that. I have to believe that. The person who does not believe that God is never ending is the person who hoards truth and hoards wisdom and is lazy. <laughs> truth be told. That means that you're not willing to go back to the source of all things to inquire of his heart, to inquire of his wisdom, his knowledge. He said he, he whispers, he, he gives secrets to, the, to, to, the, to those who love him. Come into the secret place with God and you will hear the secrets of the heart of God. And when you come into truth and you come into life and you come into his will, the next best thing you can do, the most loving thing you can do, and I'm not saying it has to be my podcast, no. But if it's helping you, share it with your girls. Share it with somebody else so they can be encouraged and blessed too. And they can really, my, my true encouragement is for you to pick up the Bible for yourself and read that thing. 
Tether mission is about helping, empowering women who feel disconnected to find connection again through the word of God, through truth, so they can live out this life. So I get that you're listening to me right now and you may be that girl who's just like that woman who's just like, man, I don't feel connected to anybody. And that's why you're, I mean, you're welcome here. Amen, this is home. You ain't gotta go nowhere else. You might wanna add some, some stops along the way because you can't just do community here until we have talk plus. <laughs> I'm trying to find balance in, in what I'm saying right now. But all that to say, if you're coming here and this is one of the wells that God has given you, pull up the water and share it with somebody else. Please do that for their benefit and for your practice. Look, sis, I've been listening to this podcast. It's been blessing me. Homegirl's just trying to do the best that she can, but she's helping me a little bit. I got a, a, a tiny word. Yeah, it's an hour long. I know it's a lot, but yeah, put that on when you're doing that laundry, when you're, you're, you know, prepping food for the next week, when the kids are about to go to sleep and you just want to put something on your ears while you're doing all the stuff to clean up the house and whatever, it, whatever it is you got to say, or you're trapped in that crazy relationship and you need some truth and some encouragement. Amen. Tether talk. 100. Definitely OG tether talk get strong for a minute because I talk about some hard stuff about culture about about Christian character about our callings I talk about all those things but here we are now and it all comes down to relationships here we are right now it all comes down to how you're going to choose to live this life and it begins here with God yourself then others that's it that's all I got thanks so much for listening We'll talk soon. Until next time. Hey, my friend, before you go, I'm so glad you pressed play today. Don't forget to follow, share, and rate this podcast. If you're enjoying Tether Talk, why not join Talk Plus? It's the more of this podcast, and it's just for women. We'll recap episodes, discuss those difficult questions, encourage one another, and share some invaluable FaceTime because it's time to add to your podcast experience. So join Talk Plus today. Now, if you're a divorcee, I have something special for you. It's a gift called Tether Tuesday, and it's the next step of your journey to peace and purpose. This one is from my heart straight to yours as a reminder that from now on, Tuesdays are for divorcees. For my truth-seeking sister or brother, join me live on most Friday nights where I'll continue the OG Tether Talk conversation on choices, culture, and Christian character. Let's talk about life, y'all, and let's do it with truth. Don't forget to book 30 with me to calm your anxious heart so you can focus on the horizon on your way to becoming. Links for all these opportunities are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. And as always, visit tethermission.com for more resources to help you stay connected to truth so you can live peacefully.